Friends, welcome. It's David Blackman with um, Stories from the Center podcast here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. It's a joy to be in a, a new studio. Uh, Justin's created this new studio for us up on the third floor of Hay Street United Methodist Church. We're in the youth room today, and I, I'm liking the I'm liking the vibe. I like this whole the the couches and the and the comfortability of being here with our friends. And um, we want to just um, share with those first time listeners what we do here, what, what our hope is with the podcast. We believe a podcast can facilitate helpful and holy conversation concerning justice, freedom, and peace. These are real concerns for the Fayetteville community, especially as our city continues to navigate our history, our present realities, and our future possibilities. Participants will reflect on what justice means, the connection freedom has within our community, as we are uniquely positioned to our neighbors at Fort Bragg, and the desire that we pray we all have to live together in peace. Through seeking the stories of our people, we will find and celebrate the places where justice, freedom, and peace intersect and inspire listeners to practice the same. So friends, the question that we always ask and that sort of we hope drives um, what we do here on the podcast is when telling your story, how have justice, freedom, and peace impacted your life? So today, friends, we have from Justice for Our Neighbors, um, three friends that I'm ecstatic about um, introducing you to. And I'm going to just call out their names and, and, and let them um, share more about themselves before we jump into the justice, freedom, and peace um, um, part of the conversation today. But on my, on my left, me, my immediate left, is Oscar Hernandez. He's the executive director. Welcome, Oscar. And to his um, left is Ashley Reed. Ashley is an attorney with um, Justice for Our Neighbors. And then Donna Aquiamoa um, is also an attorney with Justice for Our Neighbors. And we are just so grateful for each of you being here today. I would love if you all would just take a few moment, moments and introduce yourselves, tell our listeners who you are, and what brought you to Fayetteville. Yeah, Oscar. Thank you so much for inviting us here today, this great conversation. I am glad uh, I have a team to represent justice for our neighbors today. Uh, my name is Oscar Hernandez, and I serve as the executive director of Justice for Our Neighbors uh, since November of 2020. And we opened our offices on December 1st. And uh, until now, we've served around 70 cases. Donna will talk more about that. And we have a very good number of open cases so far as well. And because of the volume of the work that we have, we need more help. And we are very blessed to find Ashley Reed to help us. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. So it's a great team. It feels good. Um, we are very eager to tell the community the work that we are doing and to help um, our immigration community with the legal cases. So very, very glad to be here. Very glad, uh, very happy to, to be here today. Awesome, Oscar. We're grateful for you being here too today. And grateful for this whole story of Ashley coming to be a part of the team 48 <laughs> hours ago. So Ashley, say more about that and welcome. Hi, um, thank you for having me. Uh, so with COVID, everything moved to a virtual platform so i was able to become a freelance editor a legal magazine and live with my sister who just opened up a store in town and at the grand opening oscar came in and talked to my sister about justice for our neighbors and she said hold on i have someone that can help you and brought me out and <laughs> i am more than happy to be a part of this family awesome awesome we are too we are too thanks ashley donna Oh man, I think it's all been said by my wonderful team here, Oscar and Ashley, but thank you so much, David. As Oscar said, it's really an honor 
for us to be here with you today. Um, so my name is Dana. I'm originally from Ghana. If you ever forget, just remember Dana from Ghana. That's you can't right. forget That's that. Right. Yes, and I'm part of this wonderful team at Fable Justice for Our Neighbors. Uh, and how I got here is, you know, I got to America through a scholarship from a Methodist-related college. And um, I was always interested in human rights. Um, in Ghana, I saw, like, there were many good things, but I also saw refugees fleeing war. I saw domestic violence, and I wanted to do something about it. And I thought I was coming to America where everything was perfect, and I was going to learn. <laughs> you know, I thought, you know, like Oscar had said before we started, I thought America was a movie where everything was perfect, and I was going to come learn about what I could do to go back to Ghana. And when I got here, I realized some of the same human rights violations exist here. So domestic violence, lack of education, there are people here who have never been to school a day in their life, you know, schools with broken windows. And so I realized, wow, human rights violations exist everywhere. And my personal ministry is international human rights. And right now I'm part of the JFON team helping our neighbors, our immigrant neighbors, to apply for immigration benefits. Friends, tell me if we could a little shout out to my colleague, um, Reverend Scott Foster, who was a big part of what, what became JFON here. Can you give our listeners a, a sense of, of a little bit of that history and, and why Fayetteville was chosen to be a location for JFON? Yes, um, about two years ago, Scott Foster, the pastor of St. Andrew's Methodist Church, uh, was working together with our previous director, uh, Mr. Brian Haymans. And they pushed really hard to get a, a clinic here in this area because of the need of the legal services in the area, especially low costs or free services in the area. And uh, to serve the region that is underserved from that perspective. And uh, they picked the downtown Fayetteville um, uh, because it would be closer to the local businesses, closer to these churches, and maybe easier for people to recognize where we are and all. Uh, we are very glad that Scott Foster and Brian Heyman had this vision and looked for the support, and they, they had the support from the conference. and from the local United Methodist Church, churches, and uh, we are blessed that we were able to start the project, find a wonderful attorney, and now we also have an assistant. And uh, as of two days ago, a new attorney volunteer, very talented. Uh, the mission that uh, we carry forward is, is shared with the other clinics uh, all over the state, uh, in 20 more clinics in many other states um, in the United States. And we are, from the legal part, uh, supervised and guided by the national organization, the National Justice for Our Neighbors. Great. So it's connectional, much like the United Methodist Church is connectional. And I remember, Donna, you had said one of the, um, I think it was the, the kickoff, the ribbon cutting that we had over at Lafayette Park and how that connection allows the law team to really work together and to help each other out with those, um, 
those legal services being provided to the folks that are, are becoming clients with y'all. So that's wonderful that there's a collaborative effort going on there with that. Well, friends, let's jump into that. I appreciate that help with the history and for our listeners to understand that. Let's jump into then um, the, this theme for the podcast. And, and I want to just um, jump right out of the gate with justice. We were talking a little bit before the, the mics became live and just about what justice means and how different people have different definitions and perspectives. I would love just to open it up to you all to, to speak to us about that. What, what, how would you define justice? How does it relate to your mission and your name as Justice for Our Neighbors? And then some stories about how justice is happening through the good work you're doing. Okay, maybe I'll get started sure with that. Sure, thank you. Um, to me, like I said, I grew up seeing human rights violations. Like I saw refugees fleeing war in Liberia. They moved to Ghana. And Ashley has worked with refugees, so I'm sure she, she has some similar stories in a different context. But basically, I was around nine years old, and some of these refugees, my mom took some of them in, so they moved in with us. And I remember some of them sharing stories of how their family members were mutilated, um, how some of their family members had their body parts hacked off, um, how they had to um, kind of like walk across three countries to get to Ghana and how they had to like pull weeds out of the ground and eat that to survive. And I asked them, well, who did this to you? Like, who, who did all these human rights violations to your family? And they were like, well, it's our government. And I'm like, it was a new idea to me. I thought governments exist to protect people. So as a nine-year-old child, when I found out that a government had perpetrated human rights violations against its own people, I just couldn't deal with that. And then I began to ask myself, so what do you do when your own government turns against you? And I found out that there are nonprofits like Justice for Our Neighbors, the United Nations, that come together to try to help people when their own governments fail them. Um, so for me, basically, justice is just having access to basic human rights. Like, you know, the right to be able to have a home. Like, right now, we can sit in here and peacefully have our conversation. Some people can't. The right to have a home, the right to be able to go to school, to work, to get health care. I think that's what justice means. And our justice for our neighbors, that's what we do. People come to us. Uh, we had a lady who came to us with her family. And in the middle of the conversation, she told us that she was trafficked at the age of eight. Uh, and basically, she was trafficked by her sister's husband and abused uh, for almost 20 years. And she had never told anyone the story. Her husband was sitting there with us. Her pastor came with her. And she invited them into the room because I had to ask her, are you okay with all of these people being in the room? She said, okay. And they were all stunned. They said, she has never told us the story. And she just burst into tears and said, I never told anyone before. So justice is just her being able to tell her story and even though her perpetrator is now dead we're in the process of trying to get legal assistance for her mm. so donna in, in that story yeah. justice you just said it was was an opportunity for this this woman to speak that story into into a reality that she never spoken to before she carried that story but you gave her a space to speak that story absolutely and it's Justice is an ongoing process because since then we've had multiple meetings and sometimes I have her sign a paper or she had to give me her fingerprints and she's like, I just got a flashback. I just got a flashback. I don't know what age I was 
but I now remember I was in an immigration detention facility. Maybe I was 10 years old. They took my fingerprint just like you did now, and then they told me to go back across the border. And so people who have lived with such trauma, they've never even had a safe space you know, to be able to remember what happened to them, to be able to get the services they need. So justice is an ongoing process of providing safe spaces where people can tell their story and get the help so that they can access basic services so that she can have a job in the future because she's not been able to work here in the United States, you know, just so she can afford to take her kids to school, basic things of that nature. That's a powerful story, and, and I just appreciate you helping us to understand your work through the, the space you're creating and, and for folks to process that, which helps you to be better in providing that legal aid for them as they seek to, um, to be free, to be free. Any other stories of justice that we can speak to, y'all? Thank you, Donna, for getting us started with that. Powerful story. I think I can speak for Oscar and Donna when I say that we are with Justice for Our Neighbors because we have either experienced or witnessed injustice in the world. And um, your platform is on justice, freedom, and peace. You can't have human rights without those three words. Um, we went into immigration law because some people are not fortunate enough to be born in a country like the United States, and they should not be penalized for being born in a country where they can be persecuted for practicing the wrong religion or just anything. So we are trying to give them justice by giving them a safe haven by being able to come here and welcoming them to our community. Yeah. Ashley, do you mind sharing the story that you spoke to us before? I, I, I really found that to be a helpful story because it was something you said about it was something small, mm -hmm. but it really opened up that child's eyes to something that was a dream that was bigger. Do you mind sharing that story? Of course. Um, so when I was a senior in college, I studied abroad in South Korea and I got to meet with North Korean refugees. And part of the meeting was asking like, how did you know that you were being lied to by your government? And this one girl was talking about how she was <laughs> taught that Americans are really ugly, beyond ugly, and um, one night she received a smuggled copy of the Titanic and she saw Leonardo DiCaprio and realized how hot he was. And so that influenced her to, or that opened her eyes to, um, okay, well, if my government lied to me about this, what else did they lie to me about? And that got her thinking and she realized that she needed to escape North Korea. But then she was caught and sent to a prison camp for about two years. And then she as she tried to escape mm -hmm. yeah and just something so simple over the Titanic and at first I started laughing because I was like oh that's like a cute story like Leonardo DiCaprio like made you escape North Korea but then I realized like oh you were wanting to put your life at risk not once but twice because of something like that yeah. and I don't think a lot of people here realize that immigrants do not come here because they want to they come here because they need to they need a safe place to live and not every country can provide them that yeah yeah you know we we take the Leonardo DiCaprio's and the movies for granted maybe not so much after the pandemics we've had to I guess shift our culture a little bit but I think that you know we do take those kind of things for granted and don't think twice about 
when there's plenty of Leonardo DiCaprio's, no offense to Leonardo, but, but I think that it's, it's helpful to remind us that for somebody that doesn't have access to that as a daily part of our lives, that all of a sudden it becomes um, a place of hope for them, that to be to to want to strive for that, to want to escape um, from a culture that's not allowing them to to see that. So um, that's a that's a powerful witness, I think, for all of us. And I pray for our witness, wit, our our listeners to hear that that's our hope with this podcast is to teach us new things and to help us be aware of the stories around us. Um, of somebody sitting in your office, Donna, that's three blocks away from this church and is sharing how they're having flashbacks to being fingerprinted mm -hmm. because they were being tracked. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, um, I'm, I'm struck by that to, to realize that we're not in a bubble. And I think oftentimes we, we, we feel that way, but maybe that's something that the listeners can hear today is that um, this place called Justice for Our Neighbors is truly investing in the, in the lives of people and to helping them to have better lives. Um, thanks be to God for that. Yeah. Um, so something else that you said, Ashley, um, as we were talking here a little bit before we went, we went the recording, is that you said, um, and, and your colleagues sort of affirmed this, and you said, well, justice, freedom, and peace are sort of synonymous with human rights. Um, Y'all, talk to me about that with respect to how are, how are they interconnected? Mm -hmm. And is there a story that sort of jumps out to show that, that they, they are interconnected? I guess I will talk. <laughs> um, I think it's just every story that we come across in the office, mm -hmm. um, whether it's at Justice for Our Neighbors or another immigration human rights office where a family can finally just come to the United States and not have any fears or fears about their lives. Mm -hmm. They can go to sleep at night knowing that they will wake up in the morning. They don't have to worry about someone murdering them or bombing their house. Mm -hmm. So they're, a family getting to that point, that sort of captures justice, freedom, mm -hmm. and peace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just having peace and knowing that you can Go to Walmart if you want to. Mm -hmm. You can wear whatever outfit you want to. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. for us, I think justice, freedom, and peace just means you're able to live how you want to be. Mm -hmm. yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, I think just just this uh, morning, a lady called, and she was so nervous, so 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 nervous. And I was like, "Hey, how are you doing?" And she's like, "I'm okay." And she's like, "I I'd like to apply for political asylum." And I was like, "Okay, well." Our office does not work on that, but I can connect you to a partner organization that does. And she's like, okay. And then I'm like, if you ever need anything, you can call me. She's like, I just got to the United States. And I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, it's not even been a day. And I'm like, where are you coming from? She's like, I'm coming from Haiti. She's like, can you tell me how I can get an ID? I, I need an ID. And I'm like, well, how did you come? She said, well, I have a tourist visa, but I can go back. It's not safe for me because of a situation there. And I said, okay, well, let me look up for you how to get an ID. So I go up there because that's what we do. Oscar knows that. People call and then we have to help them with, you know, actually we all know that. We help them with multiple things beyond just immigration law because it's holistic. If somebody comes to you and says, I'm hungry, I'm dying, and you're like, well, I want to help you apply for immigration. Mm -hmm. Oscar can speak to that. He lives in the community. 
And so I looked up what it takes for her to get an ID in North Carolina. And I'm like, you have a passport? She's like, yes. I said, you have a birth certificate? She said, yes. I said, well, the next thing is that you actually need a social security card. She doesn't have one. So she can't even get a basic ID. Just imagine what you can't do in this country if you don't have an ID. Mm. So that's one of the hardest part of this job is having to tell people sometimes, sorry, you're not eligible for a benefit. Mm. It's so hard. And so when you talk about justice, peace, freedom, what can she do in this country without a basic ID? Yeah. She can't get a job. She can't go to school. She can't get basic health care. We have another family like that. The mom is dying of cancer, and basically her family cannot afford for her to get treatment. Her daughter has to pay out of pocket for her to get treatment. And we searched all, we searched everything, and she's not really eligible for any immigration benefit right now. So that's the hardest part when people can't get basic things that they need, like an ID, just because she doesn't have a social security card. So what happens then, y'all? It's a, I mean, that's a, that's a heartbreaking story. And then that, that, I'm sure, knocks you off your seat for a little bit because you're all involved in trying to help. It's a helping kind of organization. How do you get back on the seat after a situation like that? I'm sure you help each other it, get back on the it's seat. It's hard, um, especially for our attorneys. Um, what we can do is provide at least the resources um, network that we have put together and continue to build to give this um, person some hope. Mm. Uh, Dana mentioned that they might call us for legal help, but they need so much help in so many other areas. And it could be everything from language barrier, uh, transportation, food, health care, and on and on. And it's difficult. And so what we can do is be informed and try to provide them with the best information we can and refer them to a partner organization that could help them in their case. Yeah. Um, so we ask the community to join us and say, here's the resources we provide, or here's what we do. Please refer clients that need this type of help. Um, because it's very often, maybe just, it seems like it's every case that needs more than just the legal help that we can provide. It needs much, much more help. And reflecting back on the previous question, um, I was thinking, we as individuals and as a community, as a congregation, could ask ourselves, what could I be doing now to help my neighbor? So I want to leave that question to the audience, mm -hmm. reflecting to myself. We do it as individuals. We do it as an organization. And it's what can I be doing now to help the neighbor and in what area? Perhaps that helps in some way, somehow, bring justice to someone. Amen. Amen. Oscar, well said. 
And I, I, I think that I love the idea of the connections with partner organizations you've talked about repeatedly today. And just as you may not be able to help out with a particular piece, there's another partner organization that's getting a question about legal services that's able to call you all up and say, y'all, I got, I got somebody who needs some help with legal. And you can. So I, I, I guess for me that's hope as well that with your partner organizations you're able to share those resources and, um, and, and get the justice for folks in those kind of ways too. So yeah. Um, a quick sort of pullback for a minute, y'all, as folks are listening in and maybe a listener is being um, nudged. I oftentimes talk about the Holy Spirit nudging us. And if they'd like to support you all, I know that Justin can put a link um, to this podcast recording today. They can find out more about what your organization's up to and the good work that you're doing, the good ministry that you're offering this community. I want to move, if we can, to, um, to this idea of freedom. And where have you seen those stories of freedom come to reality? And I, I would suspect that those are the joyful moments um, when that happens. Are there any stories that sort of stand out with respect to freedom? Okay, freedom. <laughs> I think. I think. Um, I think freedom comes to me. Freedom comes in moments. We have moments when we are free and moments when we are not free. <clears throat> freedom is something that we fight for day by day. You know, it's not something that's just given. So I, I take freedom in small bites like freedom is when you can finally tell a client well you are eligible for this benefit you know like we have a young lady who will be speaking at a fundraiser coming up in a couple of weeks and she called us and she's 17 years old she came to this country when she was three years old walked through the desert all the way from guatemala to this country with her parents and she wrote a story to us and she said even though I was three I remember that as we were walking through the forest these men with guns came on us and asked us for our money and for everything we have we gave them our food our money and everything and we were just so happy that they didn't kill us we're so happy that they let us go because we had life and that was what was important and somehow they managed to walk all the way from Guatemala to this country you know and when she came here, her mom was working on, on the farm. So her mom was out in the rain, cold, all that, you know, working on these farms. And somehow they took her everywhere they went. The Farm Labor Organizing Committee had her at their meetings. They had her at discussions. So she's just this 17-year-old who is just a social justice warrior. Mm -hmm. Like, she's called and she's referred over 14 people. Like, Shelly will call sometimes, like, hey, Shelly, how are you doing? And she's like, oh, I have someone here. Who needs your help? I'm like, how old are you? He's like, 78. I'm like, Shelly, is your mom there? Yeah, my mom is right here with me. She's just a social justice. Yeah, she she's 17. She's 17. You have to meet Shelly. Nothing phases Shelly. I'm like, Shelly, we have to fill out this application for you. Okay, she'll take it. Five minutes later, Miss Dunn, I filled it out. What else do you need from me? She is just a social justice warrior because she's been through it and she understands what it means. You know, so for people like Shelly, I think freedom was the day we told Shelly, Shelly, you're eligible for DACA. For some, she's, can you imagine growing up in a country and you go to school, you think you're an American. Why wouldn't you? You came here when you were three years old. You go to school, you have friends, you go to sleepovers, and then let's say one day your, your, your school is like, oh, we're going on a trip to France. And you go home and tell your mom, mom, we're going on a trip to France. And your mom is like, I'm sorry, you can't go. Why? 
well, you're different from all the other kids. You don't have any status. Imagine, we all grew up, imagine you growing up and one day your parents told you you're not an American. Mm -hmm. You would say, what is this? I was born here. I've lived here my whole life. So I think for young people to deal with that, just that psychological burden of knowing that you could be deported any moment, that's so huge. And for her to still come out being this strong, you know, advocate for social justice. So for me, freedom is that moment when Shelly found out that she was eligible for DACA, you know, which is which gives her the ability to go to school, to get a driver's license, you know, all of that. And freedom is beyond that, these partnerships. Because after I spoke with Shelly, I was speaking with my supervising attorney. I was speaking with another attorney who volunteers with us. And they were like, have you thought about special immigrant juvenile status for Shelly. And I said, what is that? And they said, well, since she's here with her mom and her dad has never been in the picture, the states can adopt her and she can get a green card that way. So just imagine calling Shelly back and saying, Shelly, you're eligible for a green card. Like that moment and that joy is what we do this work for. And all, and all of a sudden now, Shelly has worth. And she had worth before that. Wow. She had worth before that. In the eyes of God, she had worth. But because of the ways our cultures and our nations have these, these definitions, you were able to experience and celebrate this freedom um, because her status changed. Absolutely. In the eyes of man, in the eyes of humankind, but in the eyes of God, her status never changed. We just got to celebrate her worth. I think you're so right. Yeah. After 17 years, Shelly is finally seen in this country. She has a number. She has an ID. And that was the same thing. My mom, you know, I'm an immigrant too, and I remember the first time my mom got her green card, and she said, welcome to the United States. She said, I've been here for 20 years, and you're now welcoming me? Because they never saw us until they gave us an immigration benefit. So you're right. Suddenly they are seen. Suddenly they have freedom to participate in society. Yeah. Friends, you, you all have an opportunity each day to do that as folks show up at your office, as folks um, call into your office. I, I want to shift us, if, if I can now, to this idea of peace because you've already expressed to us today that there are moments that it's not peaceful. There are moments it's really hard that you have to um, share difficult information that you just don't have the capabilities or capacity to help somebody with a certain situation. Where where do you find peace in the midst of your days? And certainly those joys and those celebrations around freedom and when justice is, is being achieved. Um, how do you walk away from the end of the day? And where do you find peace? Where are those stories of peace for you that help you return to that office the next day when it might not have been such a peaceful day that you're leaving? I think I can speak for the team and say that doing everything you can to help that client at the end of the day, regardless if they are eligible for DACA, DPS, green card, any legal way, but knowing that you did everything you could and uh, you came back to work on a Friday. Donna was not supposed to work last Friday. She was sick. Mm -hmm. And I came to pick up some flyers to give it to one board member. And there is Donna with a client yeah. because she needed 
uh, her case to move forward. She wanted to bring some copies. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, you do it because it's your call. You do it because you love it. You do it because at the end of the day, you know you did absolutely everything you could. Even if you're feeling sick or you're not supposed to come to work and you do it. Um, I think, um, from my perspective, I, I'm, I'm, I'll let Donna share, but I admire that and I respect that. And to know that our clients is going to get the best from us, the best quality of work that we can give you. We work with a network that is national and um, we have a supervising attorney mm-hmm. that sees every case uh, and we make sure that the decision that we're giving is informed mm-hmm. and uh, that is supported by uh, the network. Um, I mentioned that Ashley is our first volunteer but if I look back our board members we have mm-hmm. a board member that has been also helping Dana and all of these people helping uh, to give our clients the best positive result. In 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 my opinion, it, it help us feel that okay, we're doing the best we can, and and if we change the life for that client where they now have an ID or a social security or a card, um, that's the reward, right? that's, that's where you, you burst in happiness, right? Mm-hmm. But if in the case you don't because there is no legal way or no legal option, but to give this client the best service we can to provide that client uh, with the best information that we can, uh, with our networks, with our support system, uh, I think it makes makes us feel that we're doing uh, the best the best we can for for a positive result. And when it doesn't work that way, God knows God has His ways, the sure. time. Sure. And he pushes us harder to find that that peace that we can walk away from, knowing that we've given it our best. Yeah. Uh, well said. Well said, Arthur. Uh, Oscar. And what about what about this sense that um, coming in when it's a day off? Mm-hmm. We're all guilty of that in the helping profession. Um, so, do you all hold each other accountable, Oscar, as the executive director? Are you holding her accountable to making sure she gets that Sabbath rest? another time I'm trying okay amen we'll continue to do that <laughs> think that's, a, that's a struggle we all have in, in the helping professions is to take that time for ourselves that we need that peace um, to that's to, why I walked across the street to find <laughs> Ashley Ash- a fair Oscar fair <laughs> okay okay so that could be an answer to Sabbath rest then for Ashley to come on board but now. as you know Ashley has two days with us <laughs> good and uh, good uh, hope to bring it on board and what's going on soon so Dana can get her <laughs> overworked hours and 
who knows how many holidays. Understood. Yeah, Understood. but we're appreciative. Um, yeah, awesome. we're gonna hold each other accountable. It's three now. I have to. Yeah. I have to. By the way, you have to hold this. <laughs> yes, I don't know if I can do. That. <laughs> no, I That's absolutely fun. agree. I, I think Oscar said it so well. I think I find peace in knowing that we're a team and that it takes a village. Everybody here in this room plays a role. Like I love the fact that Oscar comes with something different that I don't have. Ashley comes with something different that I don't have. We have you guys here coming in and helping us spread the message. We need each and every, there's a role for everybody. You know, like I have peace in knowing that Oscar tells me, well, don't call clients after five, even though he knows I don't listen. <laughs> he knows that. He knows I'm very stubborn, but he's like, don't call clients on weekends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have that little, but we still work together. We still do the best we can. There's peace in knowing that we have this amazing, you know, attorney here with such a passion and such a background who's so willing to support. And we just asked her, Ashley, come join us on the podcast that she did. Sure. Like, wow, how yeah. blessed are we? If we have each other, what can we not do, you know? And David is always calling us and saying, hey, go talk to the downtown folks. Get the word out there. The passion that each of you brings gives me peace that, you know, we will all do our part. Sure. Yeah, sure. so thank you so much. Those relationships matter, Donna. Yeah. You know, and I, and I see, I mean, I just see the progression of meeting you first and then Oscar and now Ashley and just, um, you know, watching, um, watching and listening to Scott speak of this years ago and, and, and watching how God has cultivated that and it's real now. Like it's before us and it's real and um, that's, a, that's a great witness. And I, I hope that our listeners will continue to learn more about that as they, as they engage in your website and um, and share this this podcast with others as they come to learn about JFON as well too. Um, friends, I want to just offer us a, maybe a closing thought, an invitation for you all just to close out with any story or any um, any kind of what's on your heart that our listeners need to hear about the good work you're doing. Um, or maybe that something came out of this conversation for you all as we process together um, this important work you're doing. Just want to open it up for you all to, to leave us with a, with a note. Um, well, thank you, first of all, for the time and the space and this comfortable setting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Happy to. <laughs> feels Happy good. Um, uh, to the listeners, uh, the need of our immigrant community is... It's great. The one thing we never had to worry about was clients. As soon as we opened, they were waiting uh, for the appointments. And as we mentioned before, we're doing our best to help. And I'm trying to find help to serve the clients and offer quality service. Uh, but we need the community support. We need our neighbors to think of our immigrant neighbors um, and to reflect back on the stories that Dana and Ashley shared today and to think that how blessed some of us were to not have to go through that. But we don't have to go through that to know that that person's suffering. And 
we can do something. And what could we do today to help my neighbor? What can I do today to help my neighbor? We are literally down the street. <laughs> um, reach out. Uh, feel free to stop by. You will see this wonderful team. And um, you will see what we're doing, and you will see the need. And uh, we are very uh, blessed to be in this community. We, we have the support of the United Methodist Church the conference, uh, our pastors, like yourself. Amen. Thanks so much. Absolutely. And continue to spread the word that organizations like ours and others more who offer this type of services need the community support in order to provide. And in this case, as I mentioned, it's, it's, it's a great need. It, it goes above and beyond our capacity and we are doing our best and therefore we're asking our communities to support us and, and be part of our uh, efforts to help our immigrant community. Absolutely. Oscar, I love the, the fact that you're reminding us of the word neighbor within your title of your organization and that's certainly scriptural for people of faith um, that Jesus calls us to love our neighbor. And um, I'm glad that we're in the neighborhood together, y'all. So this is a great thing. So, Oscar, thank you for that that thought. Ashley, Donna, anything else to add? Um, I think the, the Bible discusses giving refuge to those who are persecuted quite a bit. And I can't think of a better way to um, take what you learn from the Bible and to practice being a Christian than helping our clients. You don't have to donate money or anything. It's just being a neighbor to your new neighbors. Our clients only strengthen our community. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well said. I think my colleagues have said it well. I have no last words just awesome. to say thank okay. you guys so much and yeah. let's do the work. Yeah, so maybe this can be another thought to yeah. maybe close this out today. We were talking earlier about how we all remember being taught that America was a melting pot. Well, maybe the takeaway for me today might be that America is a place of neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. and, and when we have a chance to be neighbors mm -hmm. together in a podcast, mm -hmm. um, we, um, when new people move into a community or a neighborhood, we don't ask them to change. Mm -hmm. um, we want to get to know them as our neighbors, to celebrate them for who they are as neighbors. Mm -hmm. The three of you are neighbors to each other mm -hmm. in this work that you're doing, in this ministry that you're offering. And, and I, I would hope that our listeners would, um, you know, see the other as a neighbor rather than as the other. And it helped that, um, that we all would be challenged and convicted um, to see worth in everybody. Uh, because we don't know those stories. Uh, but maybe there's a way for this podcast to be um, reminding us all, listeners and ourselves here today, that when we take time to listen to the stories of each other, then maybe that helps us be better neighbors together. I love it. I'm going to add, that was the story of Ashley and Oscar. Yeah. Ashley had just moved into the neighborhood. Yeah, sure. And Oscar went over to say hello, and look how, we, how sure. great that has been for justice for our neighbors. Sure. 
So I agree with you completely. Donna, that story needs to be told to Bianca at Cool Spring Downtown <laughs> District because that's a great a great way of those relationships happening in the downtown district. Absolutely. So, I'm writing some emails this afternoon. There we go. There we go. <laughs> well, friends, thank you so much. And we thank our listeners, especially for um, being willing to take part in this podcast. And we thank our sponsors, the North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church, the, the good friends over at Cool Spring Downtown District. Um, and we indeed thank you as guests today, Donna, Ashley, Oscar. Thank you so much for teaching us today and Justin and I having an opportunity to be with you all as neighbors and we look forward to being neighborly with you in the seasons to come and we do trust that more people will continue um, to seek you out um, to call you to stop by the office and to um to learn about the great things that you're all doing um, to show them that they are indeed our neighbors friends god bless thank you so much for joining us today from stories from the center